We're in a series about six basic life principles from the book of Proverbs. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 3 this week and next week as well. And so one of the things I just want to remind you as we go to dive back in here, that um, the Proverbs were written by Solomon, mostly. Uh, He was one of the wisest men ever to live. And so here we find a collection of practical truths about wisdom, about moral values, and about relationships. I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit more wisdom. Um, I need to make sure I know where my values come from, and Lord knows that uh, I need help in relationships, amen? Sometimes some are rocky, sometimes there's some friction um, with people you're ministering to or people that come across your path, and so Proverbs is the place we should go to look for that. And we identified last week that the kind of... um, Proverbs in a whole, one of the key verses is in chapter 1, verse 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So just whatever that might be, whatever that may mean for you in this season is, you know, they despise wisdom and they despise instructing. Are you instructable? Right? Can someone lean into you? Can someone coach you? I think that's one of the takeaways that we could have from that. But I want to just kind of quickly review where we were on our first two principles. Last week we touched on the obedience principle, on the obedience principle. And we said as we focused on Christ and pursue Him with obedience, He takes care of of everything else. That's what it means. That came from verses 1 and 2 in chapter 3. Then we also touched on the kindness principle, the kindness principle. We said that you're to put kindness in two places, that you're to put kindness around your neck and you're to put kindness in your heart. In essence, you're to show kindness outwardly, but you're also to keep it inwardly. Amen. You can't give, you can't show what you don't have. That whether that's kindness, whether that's your walk with Christ, as you'll hear in a couple of weeks, of a special message that's coming up later this month, you can't give what you don't have. And so are you reflecting, uh, is there kindness around your neck? Is there kindness in your heart? We closed out last week's message with this thought. When we live a life of obeying God and being kind to others, Christ is on display When we live a life of obeying God and being kind to others, Christ is on display. This morning as we jump into the third and fourth principle, I just want to let you know that um, this is not necessarily an original for me. Uh, Dr. Ted Trailer is a pastor that um, I've enjoyed hearing speak and and preach from time to time. And so I happened to listen to a message uh, earlier this year in the spring And he talked about this. Now, one of the things I told the folks last week was, I just, I really enjoyed the outline that he kind of gave for this message. And so I said, okay, that might be something I want to share with our people. Well, when Dr. Ted Trailer shared it, he shared all six in one setting. Amen. And so I don't think that that's what I was called to do because that's information overload. So because there were six, we just took them two each week. So we spread this out over three weeks because there is so much truth just in these first uh, 12 verses that we're going to be looking at in Proverbs chapter 3. We also said, and we need to be mindful of, that the book of Proverbs can have some interpretive challenges, right, because of the way that it's written. Um, We identified last week as we were talking about that, that there are poems, there are brief parables, there are pointed questions, there's um, 
comparison and personification. So sometimes we might approach, we might see one of these verses and we just really need to kind of unpack it. We need to take it apart and put it back together. And that's what we really should be doing almost any Sunday morning. Amen. That's what good preaching and teaching is, is just sitting down and taking a, a passage of scripture, taking a verse of scripture and just taking it apart and seeing what all God said to the folks then and what he's wanting us to say now, how he's wanting us to apply this to our lives. And so as we talked about the uh, last week, we talked about that we're to obey him, that we're to be kind to ourselves, be kind to others. And so this morning, I want us to look at verses five through eight, five through eight, and we're going to talk about two principles. So in your copy of God's word, you'll find these similar words in Proverbs chapter three, starting in verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So let's kind of go there. Let's kind of stay there for just a minute and let's talk about, um, talk about this. So, first off, I want you to see, as Solomon is writing, and as you'll notice, he's, he's writing, to, uh, he opens chapter 3 and he says, my son, my son. He's writing these books, he's writing these first chapters to his son. This is a, a father instructing his son. And he's saying, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I, I just, we have to stop and we have to pause right there. Trust Trust in the Lord. As we're going through our uh, small group time on Sunday morning uh, with the group that I'm with, our material this week really shared something that was great. We're um, going through a daily discipleship guide. It's a great booklet. Um, it's This first section we're in is talking about simplicity, finding contentment in a busy life. And so this week we were studying about a daily pursuit of the Lord. And listen to what this material said. It was so... Um, on point for our message today. When we focus on and trust in Christ, we have peace. Peace is the natural byproduct of a mind that spends time with God every day. Dwelling on his word in the things of God draws our hearts closer to him and intimacy with Christ takes on a new meaning when we saturate our daily thoughts with the things of God. The author said, when we focus on and trust in Christ, we have peace. I don't know about you, friends, but could you use a little bit more peace in your life? Is there a storm? Is there a trial? Is there a valley that you're walking through that you need to experience the peace of God? One of the ways that we experience that peace is to walk with God. We said a few weeks ago that if we don't know, if we don't have conversation and get to know the Lord in the valley, we'll never recognize him on the mountaintop. Because we were not meant to live on the mountaintop. The mountaintops are great. We can see way off. It's beautiful. Think about if you've ever been to the Great Smoky Mountains and you're on top of one of those mountains, you look out and it's just vast, but there's valleys and there's hills. 
And while he allows us to have mountaintop experiences, we're not meant to live there. Amen? We're meant to go through the valleys. The valleys make us who we are. They refine us. And they they ultimately test, okay, where is your trust? Where is your faith? Where is your hope? Where is your confidence? Is it in the Lord or is it in your bank account? Is it in your relationships? It is, is it in your wealth? Is it in your house? Is it in whatever? Insert, you know, a blank there. So trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Now, one of the things um, I'm thankful for is there have been times and seasons in my life where I've been to some different training and I've heard different things. And it's amazing where all these different pieces come from. And a few years ago, I've shared with you a number of times, but... I ran across a list that was shared with me that was 13 trust behaviors. I was sitting with a group of other pastors and we were talking about trust. And so these trust behaviors are for your faith and also for your relationships. If you're interested, I'd be glad to share you share with you. There's a PDF that I have uh, where I wrote these down from the session that I was in. be glad to share that with you. So if you'd like it, just let me know. I can print you a copy or email it to you. But listen, I just want to really quickly, as we're talking about this morning, trusting in the Lord. What does it look like to trust God? What does it look like to, to trust others? Well, first off, we have to talk straight. We have to talk straight. I mean, be like the psalmist. When it comes to talking to the Lord, you just need to be raw and real. The Lord can take it. He can hear it. And as they went before him, as we read the psalmist, as we read in Psalms, they are being raw and real with the Lord. Amen. They're not holding back. They're not, I mean, they're just like, if they were mad, they're mad. If they were angry, they're angry. And they're saying, God, I don't like this. I'm angry about this. You know, smite my enemy. Do these things. And so be Real, be raw, talk straight with God and in your relationships. Now, sometimes, you know, you have to, especially in your earthly relationships, you have to be a little careful, right? Not everybody likes a straight talker. But if you want to build trust, then you do need to talk straight, amen, with God and with others. You need to demonstrate respect. That's another way that you build trust in a trusting behavior. Third, you need to listen first. Listen first. How often do we go into a conversation with someone else and we're sitting there and they've made a point and we're thinking through what our response is going to be versus listening to what they have to say? Listen first. That's a way to build trust. We're to practice accountability. You can't have trust without accountability. And and I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I have some accountability folks in my life who uh, one of such has uh, set me dead in my tracks one time. I was being a complete jerk, and he just he stopped me dead in my tracks and said, sit down. He said, the way you're acting is not cool. You know, and so it stung, it hurt. But I'm so thankful that he had the brave, he, had, he was brave enough, that he was bold enough to say, look, the way you're acting right now, Chris, is not very becoming. It's not Christ-like. It's not being very friendly to me. And so I'm thankful. You have to have accountability. That's one way that you build trust. You keep commitments. And then lastly, you have to extend trust. And as I think about each and every one of you, we're all at different paths. We're all at different places in our journey with Christ. Amen? As one of my favorite verses of Scripture is uh, talking about, you know, our life is not but, but a hand width. It's not but the, you know, the width of our hands is our life. And so as you look at your hand this morning, you know, if, if our life is if, this is, if this is a span of our life, where are you? 
on the width of your hand in your life? Are you, are you over here? Are you just beginning? Or are you in the middle? Or are you in the fifth quarter? Are you in the final time of your life? You don't know. But we have to extend trust. So it says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Trust in the Lord. Now let's make a quick um, detour here to talk about the word Lord. You know, you think about that. The word Lord is basically master. It is a title of respect and is a proper name for the one true God. It is the title for both father and son. Yehovah, or where we uh, typically see Jehovah, that is what this means. And you will see Lord time and time again far more than you see Savior in the Bible. So is Christ your Lord? That's one of the things that's kind of a tenement of our faith, that he is your Lord, that you confess him as Lord and Savior. Is he your master? Is he the one that is above all? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. A-L-L, one of my favorite words in scripture, because what does all leave out? Nothing. You remember back in the 80s, there was A-L-L, there was the all detergent? You know, I mean, all, with all your heart. And so I wrote in my notes as I was studying this, and actually when I heard the message, what does it mean to give God all your heart? What does it mean to give God all your heart? I think about if I could steal a line from the Clemson Tigers and kind of their culture that they have right now is they use hashtag all in. All in. Amen. That's how we should be as believers of Christ. It's all or nothing. Christ doesn't want half of your heart. He doesn't want half of you. He wants all of you. And so this morning as we reflect on that question of what does it mean to love God with all our hearts, is friends, we have to take an assessment as we come together this morning and say, okay, is there a portion of my heart that I'm not allowing Christ access to? Hey, Jesus, you can have this, but man... Don't, don't touch this. It, this, is, this is special to me. You can have all this, but oh, don't, don't take that. Don't make me give that up. Love the Lord with all your heart. You see, Hosea, he's, um, Hosea is writing about Israel in Hosea 10.2. And says, talking about Israel, their heart is false. It's divided. It's faithless. It's fickle. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. As I wrote in my Bible, these two verses, verse 5 and 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I wrote in the margin, Kindle's life verse. Kendall's life verse. That is her life verse. Do you know your spouse's life verse? Do you know your grandmother's life verse? Do you know your pastor's life verse? What is that verse that is guiding them? Right? And so I'm so thankful. I have my grandmother's life verse written in my Bible. I have Kendall's life verse written in my Bible. I have my life verse written in my Bible. Why? Because maybe someday, somewhere, if I was to ever lose this, or my children or great-grandchildren were to sit down and thumb through this, and they run through this, and they see it, and they see, well, Kendall's life verse 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's where Kendall found her hope. Can I tell you something this morning that there are verses, there are a life verse. You might have a life verse for a season, amen? One of the times when I started growing closer to the Lord, my life verse was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but for, there, there's a hope and there's a future. That was my life verse for a season. So what is your life verse? See, when you come to church, you're going to get asked questions, amen, especially if I'm preaching and teaching. Why? Because we have to ask ourselves hard questions. We have to say, okay, what is guiding me? Where is my hope? Am I just leaning on this because this is what I've always done? Am I just doing this because this is the same pew that my grandmama and my granddaddy sat on? Is this the, am I just doing this because this is where we've always gone to church? Or are you, do you have an active faith? Are you seeking the Lord daily? So this question of, so I forgot to tell you. Wow, I've been preaching all this time. I forgot to tell you. So this third principle today is the Lordship principle. Is the Lordship principle. And so we've talked about trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding in all, doesn't say in some of your ways, right? But the text says in all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. So the question we have to ask is what does the Lordship principle yield? And we see it in verse six. It means if we will, if we will practice the Lordship principle, if, if Jesus is to indeed be Lord of our lives, then he will make straight our paths. He will make straight our path. He will remove barriers. When we trust in the Lord, when we make him Lord, he will make your path straight. The Lordship principle. Next, we'll see the humility principle. Look with me, if you will, in verse 7 through 8. Verse 7 through 8. We see this. It says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Hmm. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Be not wise in your own eyes. The humility principle. As I thought about humility, what was interesting was I'd heard this quote several times, and so I began to look it up. And in the day and age that we live in, you can't just take something for face value. Amen? Just because you punch something into Google does not mean that it's true. Amen? Just because you punch it in and something comes up on Google does not mean it's true. So this quote that I'm about to share with you, a lot of people had attributed it to C.S. Lewis. To C.S. Lewis. But it actually came from Rick Warren who wrote the, a very popular book called The Purpose Driven Life. And so Rick Warren said this. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. See, that's what we see. As, as Solomon is instructing his son, he's saying, Son, be not wise in your own eyes. And he's saying, fear the Lord. He's going back to what he said in chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of knowledge. So fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If you will, look with me in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, as Paul is writing to the church at Rome. And we are talking this morning about humility. I want you to see a few things in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. When you found that, say amen. All right, well, I only heard one or two, so I'll give you all another second. I love to hear the pages of God's Word being flipped, being turned. Love technology, but there's something about actually physically interacting with the Word of God. Amen? All right, let's try this again. Romans 12, verse 3. If you found your place, say amen. All right, now we're all on the same page. All right, so... Here, I want you to look at verse 3, and we're going to look at verse 16. So verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul is saying not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. What a reminder. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Live in harmony. Do not be haughty. Associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. As Dr. Trailer was preaching and teaching... I'd have to give a disclaimer before I just throw this nugget of wisdom out. Uh, there might be some of you that this applies to. That you might very well know someone else that it applies to. But he said this. Some of you think you're pretty smart and that makes you pretty stupid. You think about that. Some of you think you're pretty smart and that makes you pretty stupid. Because be not wise in your own eyes. As, as we see in verse 8... And I'll preach and teach you on this in a second, but you'll see what happens when you're wise in your own eyes. It does not bring anything good. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but preachers aren't immune to this either. Right? I'm guilty. Be not wise in your own eyes. I wrote in the front of my Bible, there was a pastor one time at a conference and he began to get up and stand behind the pulpit and all his job was really to do was to introduce the next speaker. And he began to tell us, oh, I am the greatest, basically, he almost said this, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He didn't say that. But he did say, hey, I've been so effective. I'm probably the most effective person in Southern Baptist history, in recent history. And I think, oh my word, did you really just say that? Did you really just say that? And so I turned to the front of my Bible and I had heard the Spirit spoke this into my spirit. And there's another verse in Proverbs, in Proverbs um, chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 2. We're going to do a little sword drill and be kind of all over the word. But in Proverbs 27, 2, listen to what it says. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. So I opened, as that pastor stood there and said that, I opened my Bible and I wrote this, let someone else praise you. Proverbs 27, verse 2. Solomon is telling his son, son, be not wise in your own eyes. Let someone else praise you. And listen, friends, if you ever 
find a preacher, if you ever find an evangelist, if you ever find a deacon, if you ever find a Sunday school teacher, if you ever find another believer, or even if you find a non-believer and somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have all the answers, run, hello, be not wise in your own eyes. I will be the first to tell you. I just make it up as we go along, right? I'm having to depend on the Lord. I do not have all the answers. But I think that one of the things that we have to do in the church in this age, in a dark and trying time, right, is we have, those of us that know the Lord have to stand up and let our light shine. Amen? Because light shines brightest in the darkness. Light shines brightest in the darkness. And sometimes we're going to have to do things that we've never done. The phrase that kills most things in the church is, we've never done it like that before. We've never done it like that before. Or they might say, well, here's another one that is a kill joy. We tried that before and it didn't work. Who's to say it won't work again? It might not have been the right people. As one of the uh, leadership principles that I know of is sometimes you got to have the right people in the right seat on the bus. Amen. And so we want to be in a bus. We want to be headed in the same direction and we want to have the right people sitting in the right seats so that we are headed in the same direction because we don't, we need one person driving and steering, but we don't need people breaking off in other areas, but you've got to have the right people in the right seats. Amen. And so if someone ever tells you, I have all the answers run. Listen, Dr. Trailer went on to say this. He said, when you really understand grace, you'll fall on your face. When you really understand grace, you'll fall on your face. See, friends, everything we are is because of God's grace. I want to take a moment and just call your attention. You don't have to turn there. You can look it up yourselves. But in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, Paul, in essence, says, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Right? Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Then, as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he says, but by the grace of God, I am who I am. And I stand before you this morning, a man who, as I prayed this morning, Lord, shine through my brokenness. I don't have all the answers. I'm taking next steps just like the rest of you. And since 2013, I have been on a journey and I would write about how, Lord, you know, if I if I could do anything for the Lord and failure wasn't an option or it didn't matter, what would you do? And I had taken the youth on a youth retreat and I wrote that. And I wrote and I answered that question too and I said to be in ministry full time. And you think, well, that was 2013 and we're about to be to the year 2020. But let me tell you what, when you seriously try to walk with the Lord and you pray a prayer like I did around that same time, Lord, break me, mold me, and make me into the man you'd have me to be. Can I stand before you this morning just for a brief second and point to Jesus and say, thank God of his grace. Because I am what I am today because of His grace. Because of Him. Because I've continued to seek Him. And He has been working on me. Amen. I've been stubborn. And I've had to go on out in the wilderness. And I've had to wander over here. And I've had to do this. And He's had to put me as one ministry we talked about. I was still on the team, but I was on the bench. Okay? Keep seeking the Lord. Be not wise 
in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So we're talking about the humility principle. So what does the humility principle yield? What does the humility principle yield? Look with me, if you will, back at verse 8 in Proverbs chapter 3. And it says this, It will bring healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, Job picks up on this in Job chapter 21. Job is right before the book of Psalms. And so Job says in 21, chapter 21, verse 23 through 25, listen to these words, actually through verse 26. One dies in his full vigor, being wholly at ease and secure, his pails full of milk, and the marrow of his bones moist. And another dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted of prosperity. They lie down alike in the dust, and the worms cover them. Listen, friends, you can either be humble or not. And Job is saying that for the one who's following the Lord and who is humble, there is moist marrow in his bones. If not, there is bitterness in his soul. So if you walk in haughtiness, you will walk in bitterness. When it's all me, 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 this is what I want. We talked about this this morning in our group. When it's all about me, 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 I want this. This is what I think should happen. This is how it should go. This is my opinion. Me, 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 me. Friends, you're going to be hurt. You're always going to be wounded. And it's always going to be woe. Is me. Like Eeyore. Oh, is me. Right? Me, me, me. But Jesus said three different times whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What does it mean to exalt? It means to raise or to lift up. So whoever raises himself, will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be raised. So this morning as we close out our time together, I want to just ask you some simple questions. And I'm not sure which of these may very well apply to you in your life, in your walk with Christ. But this morning, in all seriousness, in all stillness, are you trusting Jesus? Are you trusting Jesus? Do you trust Him with all your heart? Do you trust Him with all your heart? Do you trust Him with all your life? This morning, friends you don't hear anything else I say maybe you just extend a little trust to Jesus maybe you say Lord I've kept this thing that I didn't want you to see I didn't want you to touch Lord will you create in me a clean heart 
a new heart. Will you help me to see my sin so that I can confess it to you? Are you acknowledging him? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Have you become wise in your own eyes? Friends, are you like Job mentioned? Like Solomon is mentioning to his son. Do you need healing for your flesh? Do you need refreshment for your bones? Turn to Jesus. Trust him. Acknowledge him. Prayer is simply just having a conversation with the Lord. So in these few moments that we're left together, I just invite you to just bow your heads and, and just spend a moment in prayer. Think of one of those questions that may have lodged in your heart. Lord, I pray that you would work, that you would convict Lord, that you would help these folks take next steps with and towards you because you love them so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for them. Father, I pray as we just spend a few moments reflecting, speak. May your Holy Spirit speak and may we be obedient.